listening to The Private Citizen, a podcast where we're trying to think for ourselves, um, look at sources directly, and uh, analyze the world uh, instead of just believing what we are told. This is episode 80 for Thursday, the 5th of August, 2021. Biden's dangerous cyber jingoism. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Fab. I'm your host. I'm coming to you live from Dusseldorf in Germany, um, where I'm a day late at a dollar short. I don't know. Am I a dollar short? I have no idea. Um, yes, I had uh, everything prepped uh, to release the show yesterday on Wednesday, uh, as I usually do. And as I kind of promised, I would do. Uh, but then, um, well, I was too late. As things were stacking up, but I was kind of ready to do it. And then something else happened. Um, I had a kind of an uh, emergency going on that I couldn't, I couldn't, I just couldn't do the show uh, last night. So, uh, well, we're now, it's now Thursday, uh, day late, but I'm, you know, it's the same content. And if you're listening, you know, to this uh, as a podcast, you're probably not sitting there uh, on Thursday morning. Maybe you are, maybe that's your commute ritual. If I've destroyed that, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I remember when I had... Um, you know, commutes. I, I certainly had these rituals where I listened to certain podcasts on certain days, and I kind of waited for them. So if I if I messed that up for you, I'm I'm terribly sorry about that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if you uh, are watching this live on Twitch, which is something that that happens, uh, I uh, stream the recording live. Then this is totally un. This is very different. It's not Wednesday afternoon. It's kind of like well, it's kind of the afternoon. But it's early in the afternoon on Thursday. Anyway, let's do the show. Let's let's stop with this. Oh, uh, I was going to say, let's stop with this housekeeping bullshit. Um, but there's some more housekeeping bullshit. I have to mention, um, next week on Tuesday, I am, well, I'm scheduled. I hope uh, I hope it'll happen. I'll get my second shot for my SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. Um, and uh, as you might remember, uh, from a previous show, uh, I reacted very strongly to my first shot. Now, I was uh, scheduled to get a second AstraZeneca shot, um, but they changed that around uh, because apparently now it's better if you get another uh, brand of vaccine for your second shot. So I'm now getting the um, uh, the uh, the BioNTech one, um, which means I'll be completely like, genetically modified not only will they have uh injected me with dna i'm getting rna now too i'm getting everything um but I, i'm kind of i don't know with the astrazeneca it's kind of like you get people reported that you get a lot of the if you get side effects you get them with the first shot then the second shot really you don't get any um but uh, now that i get a different one i'm kind of expecting that i'll react to it again um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't read any. Uh, I couldn't find any reports of people getting this combination and what happened to them, really. Um, so I don't. I don't know. Um, but I'm. I'm expecting to get knocked out again next week. So um, and I. My schedule is um, full and really all over the place now, uh, with that thing happening yesterday. So I don't really know um, how I like. I'm. I don't know if I'm going to do a show on Monday next week. Uh, to, that's what I did last time to get the show out ahead because I was expecting side effects and I had four days of side effects. I'm very happy I could get that done. If I can get that done next week again, um, I will certainly do that. 
Um, but if there won't be a show next week uh, until like Saturday or Sunday or not at all, and I'll be back the week after, you know what happened. Um, it'll have had probably knocked me out again for two days, and I just just work kept piling up. But maybe nothing will happen. Maybe I'll be back on Wednesday. I just wanted to let you know, uh, give you fair warning, heads up. Uh, yeah, so very exciting times we're living in. So who knows? Uh, it's, it's not good for plans. This this last two years have not been uh, good for uh, fulfilling plans you have made. I feel. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the show. Uh, today we're going to talk. We talked about cyber war a lot. Like you know, of course, I'm a. Uh, I'm a journalist writing a lot about IT security, so I'm, I'm interested in this whole cyber war stuff. And I've, I gave you um, my lowdown a few episodes back, what I think about cyber war. And I thought it's probably going to get worse with the rhetoric. And exactly that has happened because like last week or two weeks ago, I think when I was on holiday, uh, Joe Biden gave a speech. Uh, so the US president gave a speech and he was basically ramping it up, ramping up the whole um Rhetoric on cyber war, so I think we'll have to address that. Um, <laughs> okay, Terrestris Jim says hello, Jim. Uh, in Twitch chat, uh, people I know who had this combination were sick for a week. Hope you do cope better. Well, you know, from my last experience, but I don't know how it works. We know so little about these vaccines, so it could be that because I reacted so strongly the first time, it'll be okay the second time. Maybe I'll get knocked out for a week. So if you don't hear from me, um, that's expect that it, that that is probably uh, what will have happened. Um, anyway, let's get into the show here. Let's talk about uh, Joe Biden and uh, cyber. Joe Biden cyber. Yeah, the cyber. We got to talk about the cyber. So, um, episode sixty. If you haven't listened to that, it's probably worth going back and listening to that before you listen to that this episode because this episode's going to build on that. Um, episode sixty was basically me um, talking about the term of cyber war because everybody keeps bringing it up, and I kind of think it's bullshit. So, I gave you a short history of like in that episode, I gave you like a short history of like you know viruses, trojans, you know, hacker attacks. Um, and then the term cyber war, which at what at one point cropped up, and I also kind of explained why I think it's a it's a bad name. It's I think it's a misnomer. Um, it's um, and I kind of explained in that episode why, um, because basically um, cyber war. I mean, part of the term. I mean, the, the two term. It's a term made out of two words, and both are shit. Like cyber is shit because if you're my age, um, if you're like an old very old millennial uh, borderline gen x then cyber to you means cyber sex because that's what we called it in the 19s in 90s you know you want a cyber you know icq that kind of shit um so so that's like just a bad term and then the other part of it is war and the, the, there's a crucial difference between actual war and cyber which i explained in that episode um but even while I said this, uh, you know, I explained all of this. I said, you know, we're not going to get rid of that term. Um, it's a very, very uh, popular a propaganda term that it's especially uh, been used a lot by the uh, U.S. government. And um, it's just like something that's that's going to crop up uh, again and again. And, I mean, this is initially, of course, um, you know, calling calling things cyber war and basically using this as a foreign policy tool to threaten other countries 
uh, was kind of pioneered by the U.S. and usually uh, towards Russia, but also, you know, in the beginning, uh, a lot towards North Korea. Um, if you remember the Sony Pictures hack, for example, um, and it's been it's happened for for a while. I mean, this this happened under Obama. Um, to, to a lesser degree under Trump, although Trump certainly used it as well, because it's just a part of U.S. foreign policy now. Uh, but, you know, you could see, like, from the beginning of this year, when, when Biden assumed the presidency, it just ramped up a lot. And he's now taking the next step. So uh, so what has happened? Uh, Joe Biden gave a speech, um, and I'm, I'm reading this uh, from a Financial Times article. So they uh, kind of shortened this a little bit. So they sum it up this way. Joe Biden has warned that cyber attacks could escalate into a full-blown war as tensions with Russia and China mounted over a series of hacking incidents targeting U.S. government agencies, companies, and infrastructure. Biden said on Tuesday, and so this is like, I don't know, when was this? Like two weeks ago or something. Uh, Biden said on Tuesday that cyber threats, including ransomware attacks, incre quote, increasingly are able to cause damage and disruption in the real world if we end up in a war a real shooting war with a major power, it's going to be as a consequence of a cyber breach, end quote. The president said in a speech at the Office for the Office for the Director of National Intelligence, which oversees 18 intelligence, uh, 18 U.S. intelligence agencies. And you can, you can kind of tell by the venue um, what this is, right? Um, but I'm, I'm going get, to get into that later. Um, a number of recent hacks revealed the extent of U.S. cyber vulnerability ranging from extensive espionage breaches that have stuck, struck at the heart of government to ransomware attacks that have brought operations at an important oil pipeline and meatpacking plants to a halt. The Biden administration has accused the governments of Russia and China or hackers based inside the two countries of some of the attacks. U.S. officials have warned that the administration would respond with a, quote, mix of tools seen and unseen unquote actions, but cyber breaches have continued. Although he did not say who such a war might be fought against, Biden immediately lame-checked Russia's president Vladimir Putin, ele Putin alleging that Russia was spreading misinformation ahead of the 2022 US midterm elections. Quote, it's a pure violation of our sovereignty, end quote, he said. Um, it is interesting, by the way, um, so I'm guessing we're talking um, about uh, the, the 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 you know the uh, Facebook ads and uh, all that kind of stuff um, that that you know we talked about on the show as well when we talk about election and election manipulation. Um, now, interesting that he calls that a, uh, a violation of sovereignty because, of course, I mean that that is the point about cyberspace, if if you want to call it right. It's not in the country. This is why this cannot be a violation of sovereignty, right? It's kind of like, I guess they're kind of equating it to like the, the equivalent would be, okay, if you're talking like, you know, World War II kind of era, um, if you flew with a plane, or, or like, let's say, you know, Vietnam or whatever, like you flew with a plane over a country uh, and you dropped uh, like, like these leaflets, right, with propaganda, you could call that violation of sovereignty, I guess. So I guess that's where they're taking that from. Um, it's a bit weird, though. I I feel um, it's. Um, 
I think what 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 policymakers and and also often law enforcement uh, is is grappling with here is that really the internet is is um, is global, right? And is is not in a in a in a country. I mean, the internet is is a, a particular server might be in a country, but like when you're talking, for example, Facebook, right? Um, you're talking a basically a website that is spread over infrastructure all over the world. So um, if I access Facebook from here where I am in, in Germany, um, I'm probably going to access servers in the EU. I mean, they might be in Germany, but most likely are probably in Ireland or something. Um, and so, like, it's, from my perspective, is Facebook in my country? Is it in the EU? Um, you know, it's a website operated by U.S. company that is head headquartered in the U.S., but I'm certainly not, probably not accessing U.S. servers all the time. Sometimes you don't really know, right? And that's what, like, what's what um, laws grapple with a lot. Um, I feel like there's a top topic in this. I'm, I don't want to go, don't want to go deeper into this, but I feel like there's a topic here uh, at some point talking about like how law struggles with this. Um, extra territorial um, nature of the internet um, and of the digital world let's call it that that sounds better than cyberspace um, which is an important point uh, when you're talking about cyber war because cyber war i'm just going to use that term and ironically although it's going to be a bit ironic this term is terrible but i explained that i'm just going to use it because everybody calls it that but like i cringe every time i say it. Uh, <laughs> um that's the whole point, right? It's not a um, um, so you could you could like if you're the Russia, right, and if you're attacking the U.S., um, you could have people physically fly them over to China, like set up an operation center in China, and have it attack. U.S. servers, like U.S. government servers or company servers from China, right? Um, you can't really, if you if you're in the war, like you can't really um, drive your artillery over to China and then shoot from China to the U.S. You know what I mean? Like you kind of um, that doesn't that doesn't really work. There's physicality involved, whereas on the internet there isn't, which is especially which is exactly why these tactics are being used. I mean, I talked about this in the first episode. It's hard to attribute attacks. And um, you can physically launch them from another country, um, right? Is that is China at fault at that point? Is it because, is it Russia? Because they're Russian operatives, then you'll have to prove that they're, like, it's, 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 it's all a huge gray area, right? Which is like war, historically... Um, you know, speaking at somebody who who's, uh, went to university uh, to study history for quite a while, um, historically, war is 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 inherently local, right? It's um, I mean, it can be global, but it's like it's not a gray area. It is historically you you declare war, and then that kind of went away. But you had like you know, uh, if you're talking World War Two, right, where uh, the uh, the the onset of World War Two really wasn't declared. Like the German invasion of Poland was was you know not. I mean there was a war declaration later, but it wasn't like the 
the old way of doing things. Um, but there's like uh, at the point where yeah, like your tanks or your infantry crosses the border, uh, you you've opened hostilities and there's a war on. Um, within the internet, the the cy- within cyberspace um, and cyber war, like what what what? There's no declaration of war. There is no. There's no one action you can point to, and we, we. What's interesting is that we this 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 weaves together because we're getting this kind of this kind of thinking kind of infiltrated real war as well. Um, if you think about the Crimean conflict, we are basically. Uh, I mean, this is still this is still all. Um, I mean, the, from a historical standpoint, the jury is still very much out on this. You know, if you're talking historians, where you're looking at things um, at the earliest 30 years later. Um, but, like, you, let's go with the working theory that Russia uh, invaded Crimea to annex it, but did so in a way that didn't use its um, nominal um, armed forces, right? Where they used, like, old... Um, weapons uh, and gave them to uh, like militia groups within Ukraine. Um, they had they brought probably brought soldiers over, but not in uniform. Like you know, they stripped their their insignia and everything. So it's it was kind of like a clandestine war. I mean, that is not new. Uh, you know, guerrilla warfare and that kind of thing has existed for hundreds of years. Um, but it is. Um, it's a new quality. It is something new when, like, superpowers do that. You know, even in the Cold War, um, where we had all these different um, proxy wars, um, it was it wasn't that like you know, um, the Soviet Union did not deny it was supporting uh, other communist countries around the world against you know what they used to call U- U.S. you know aggression or imperialism. Um, Right, the the Soviet Union would not have sent soldiers without um, insignia to some country and then claimed it didn't. Um, this is this is something this is something new and it's very interesting and it it goes together well with you know what we're talking about here with cyber war. But anyway, let's let's finish this FT article. Um, at a June summit in Geneva, Biden personally warned Putin. Uh, okay. Uh, President Putin, <laughs> but okay, they also just called him Biden. Uh, Biden personally warned Putin that the U.S. would quote respond with cyber end quote. <laughs> That's a typical Biden. We'll re- respond with cyber. Uh, all right. If I put it's like okay, uh, are you like what, what are, are we exchanging uh, dirty text messages? What do what what do we what are you saying? Um, that the U.S. would quote respond with cyber if the Russian state or Russian-based hackers targeted U.S. infrastructure. The prohibited sectors spanned energy, healthcare, IT, and commercial facilities, all of which have already allegedly been targeted by Russian hackers since the 2020 U.S. elections. Others included transport, financial services, and chemicals. Biden stressed that cyber attacks were just one aspect of the growing threats facing the U.S., saying that there would be more developments in the next 10 years than in the past 50, placing a tremendous burden on the intelligence community. Quote, it's really going to get tougher, end quote, he said. I just love, like, Biden's, it's the way he talks. Oh, it's really going to get tougher. This boy has got a plan. (laughs) Like, what? Um, But there you you can see, I mean, he, um, this article without, like, it's not, 
I mean, it's not journalism like I would have done it, but like they kind of raise the issues. They don't go into it, but like, you know, the FT says here, um, if the Russian state or Russian-based hackers, right, then if, if, if they target the US, then the US will, quote, respond with cyber. Now, that's... Like, if you're thinking foreign policy, this is a whole different level. I mean, yes, okay. You could, I mean, I understand the argument that if you're going, okay, these are state-sponsored hackers. They're attacking us, and we're going to react to that. I mean, we can, we could have an argument how you should react to that, but, you know, if you're the U.S. and you're, like, gung-ho, military, whatever, then you're like, we're hacking. We're, we're going to hack them back. Um, that's all right. I mean, I understand that. Um, if you're saying, okay, they're state-sponsored, but if you're saying they're just hackers within Russia, I mean, that is just... This that, this could be like some script kiddie guy some somewhere in Novosibirsk who's like uh, really bored and goes and hacks like the DOD computer system, whatever, right? And then there's an attack on the US military and with what Biden is saying that we're basically threatening war, then we'll have war. Right, that is like in 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 old school like IRL terms, that would be like um, a Russian um, citizen going over the U.S. and blowing up a building, like a civilian, right? A terrorist, and you then saying, okay, this is a declaration of war by the government of or by the country of Russia, and we're going to invade them now. Um, Again, one can see parallels. The, U the U.S. started this kind of thinking with the war on terror, right, where you had non-state actors, terrorists, blowing up the World Trade Center, uh, which was used by, by the U.S. and by the government and by uh, you know, forces within the government to start war, the longest war in U.S. history, a horrible war, um, which was already new back then. Um, this was like, okay, I was in... Um, we didn't talk about this in history, of course, because I just went to university shortly after that. But um, like already in politics, that was like a, a topic uh, we discussed in university, um, where, where this is the, that's that's a, that's kind of a new quality, right? Because you're basically um, you're basically um, shifting the blame from a terrorist group that is not necessarily. Uh, like directly supported by by a government of a country to the country, and then you're attacking the country, including civilians in the country and its actual military. Um, and I always thought that was a, a a a dumb move to do. It's kind of like this war on terror thing. It's kind of like it seems to me a modus a modus operandi of like the U.S. foreign policy. I mean, the name back then was silly as well. Uh, war on terror was an idiotic name, or is an idiotic name, is an idiotic concept, because uh, it is not, like, you can have a war against a country, you can even have a war against a terrorist group, but war on terror means you're having a war against a concept, a theoretical concept, um, and that is, by definition, open-ended war, and, a, a, you know, a, a excuse to, to basically fight anybody you want. You can just say they're terrorists, and we're on a war on terror, and so we're going to fight them. Um, that, that I always thought that was a very dangerous thing, um, but it seems since then to have been entrenched in like kind of like the U.S. Um, or like U.S. policymakers thinking 
as as the new way to go about things i feel um which which is um which is is a bit dangerous i think i mean it just just that's just i mean it 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 leaves you free to basically uh declare war at any time right if you say that okay we have been attacked by somebody in the country and now that country is responsible and now we're attacking them then you're basically free to declare war at any time and we know historically how bad that was right um if you want a, a similar situation a completely different historical uh, context but a very similar situation would be uh, the outbreak of world war one where um Basically, the Germans, uh, the German Empire gave the Austrian Empire uh, a carte blanche and said, you know, we we are in a uh, in an alliance with you. If something happens to you, um, and if you declare war, then we're down for it, right? Which gave which gave the Austrians the power to just basically start a world war. You know, they're with a very powerful ally. Um, you know, something they could have never done alone. Um, and that that is something that usually isn't done in foreign policy. If you think before World War One, um, you know, the, especially in Europe, there was always a very, very, very um, detailed and 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 very um, complex system of alliances in place. Right? I, I did a lot of uh, studies about Bismarck, who was a master at this kind of thing. And you had very different alliances, like you have defensive alliances, you know, just play something like, you know, a computer game like Crusader Kings, and you'll understand all the different uh, nuances of that, right? Where you only um, attack if if your partner is attacked, like your, your, the country you're in alliance with. Um, you could have, uh, you know, you, you, you actually... You can have defensive alliance, but you can also have like a, an offensive. I don't know, that's the wrong. I just can't remember the term. But basically, you know, where you if if the country goes to war, you go to war as well. Um, but you usually you don't give them like a carte blanche like the Germans did to the Austrians uh, at the onset of World War One. Usually, you um, you limit that somehow, right? You um, usually there has to be a casus casus belli, and these have to be like restricted right you can't just go uh you know whatever whenever you feel like go to war we'll we'll help you out i mean that that ha certainly has happened before but it's a very dangerous thing uh and i kind of have the same feeling with this kind of war on terror stuff or this um this this the the, the stuff biden has says here did it said here this, this is worrying me a lot but i think we have to go so i have a link to the transcript of this actual speech that biden gave you want to read it which is certainly in the um uh, in the mindset of this podcast you know read the sources think about them for yourself just don't just believe me or anybody else um so if you go to private citizen not press there is a link to everything uh i talk about including this transcript of the speech now i'm going to read out the uh this is a very short passage that is actually the interesting part that this news article was about. So Biden says, and this is typical Biden like dictum. It's like it's it's really funny. Um, Biden says, you know, you know, you know, we've seen how cyber threats, including ransomware attacks, increasingly are able to cause damage and disruption to the real world. I can't guarantee this, and you're as informed as I am. But I think it's l more likely we're going to end up 
Well, if we end up in a war, a real shooting war with a major power, it's going to be as a consequence of a cyber breach of great consequence. <laughs> and it's increasing exponentially, the capabilities. Um, yeah, it's typical Biden. <laughs> you're informed, you're as informed as I am. Well, I hope not. I hope the US president is more informed than anybody is talking to, including the intelligence community. But okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. Um, so what he's basically what he's basically saying here is that it's that if a war is coming involving the U.S. an actual war, uh, then it's more likely that this war will be caused um, and by by a hacker attack or a data breach, which you know cyber, as he likes to call it. Um, and not because, as traditionally would be, uh, by violation of territory, you know, a nuclear launch or like the assassination of like an important leader, military leader, a, a president of a country or something. Um, and, you know, just, just to be clear what he's talking about here, we're talking about like if he says a real shooting war, um, we're presumably talking World War Three here, right? Because we are talking the U.S. versus a, another superpower, Russia, China, uh, that would probably cause World War Three. And so Biden is saying that it is that a data breach could cause, and he thinks very likely is going to cause World War Three. Basically, I'm assuming the World War Three part, but a a, a serious war, um, which is. Uh, to me is insane. Saying this is insane. Because if you look at the attacks that we've seen and what they have caused, as Biden said, uh, the damage they have caused, the disruption and damage they have caused in the real world, it's laughable. Right? Yeah, sure. Somebody shut a pipeline down, which, you know, shitty designers with one pipeline um, that was, you know, the problem there was not that the pipeline was like the problem was that the pipeline like basically supplies a quarter of the United States with gas, right? And this pipeline shut down before for technical problems. Same problem, right? Some people don't have gas. Maybe it's not like people died, right? Even the worst case scenario, you kind of you know somebody shuts down the power grid, people are not going to die. And if they die, it's not because of the hacker attack, because but because of uh, incompetence somewhere, right? Every hospital needs to have emergency power, right? If the power grid goes down for whatever reason, it doesn't have to be a hacker attack 20 years ago or 30 years ago. I mean, a transformer can explode somewhere. And then you have a chain reaction and like lots of transformers explode, the power grid goes down. You need emergency power if you're in a hospital and you have an operating room, right? And you're doing a heart surgery on somebody for 24 hours. You need fucking emergency power. Like, and hospitals generally have that. I mean, the hospital my wife used to work at in Hamburg has an actual power plant. You know, they don't have diesel generator. They have an actual, like, they, they produce their own power and heat. Um, and, of course, they have backup systems for that as well. I mean, yes, there's always the, this, ever since I've been writing about IT security, there's the idea, oh, they're going to hack the power grid, and then the nuclear power plant's going to melt down, Right. And I've looked into this extensively, and uh, well, theoretically, yes, that could happen, um, of course. 
but you know, unsurprisingly, these computers that that operate the power plant are not connected to the internet. Yes, you can bridge that. I mean, you know, we had um, you know, this this attack on the you know the the, the Iranian um, uh, you know uranium centrifuges and stuff like that. You can do that, right? But like, in my estimation it's not more likely than a power plant just melting down because a nuclear power plant melting down because of a, a you know human error or like a, a, a failure in equipment usually these things are supposed to be built in a way that you know when they when something goes wrong they can they safely shut themselves down um so but even if you imagine a a scenario where where like a hacker could attack a country and could hurt the infrastructure in such a way that people would actually die, um, right? Even in a like you know, take it. It's like the most shittiest like Hollywood scenario. Was it like Die Hard Four, where they switch like the 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 the, the traffic lights and then all, all the cars run into each other because people wouldn't like immediately realize if the traffic light just goes like if if it goes green on all parts of the intersection you just drive hey the traffic lights green like everybody else no you just drive and everybody would kill each other that's how it happens right um right even if you imagine some of some of that that would be like hundreds of deaths maybe uh that would be like the worst case scenario but we're talking Biden, what Biden is saying here is like something like this happens and then we go to war with Russia. Which could presumably cause a nuclear war. And even if it doesn't do that, even if they somehow manage to contain it where it's just a a, a conventional war, you're talking like air, aircraft carriers, bombardments, tanks, people shooting at each other, civilians getting killed, right? We, we, we're talking, like, even the smallest, most contained war is, like, thousands of casualties. Um, so it's just, like, I understand the rhetoric when you go, like, okay, they hacked us, we're going to hack them back. They hurt us, we're going to hurt them back. I'm not a friend of that, but, like, that is at least sane. Um, saying they hacked us, we're going to go to war is insane. Um I think. I personally think that's insane. Like, if you think it through, and I know Joe Biden can't, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't think he can do that. Uh, I don't think he has the mental capa capacity anymore. Um, so, but I think, to me, I think he's kind of like a mouthpiece, right? Um, like, just listen to that speech or any other speech he's giving. Like, just listen to him, like, read out a speech from a teleprompter. It's, uh, I mean... It's to me, it's quite kind of obvious, but like, I'm not even blaming Joe Biden because I'm thinking he's not he's not completely there. I think he's just a mouthpiece. Um, the problem is that there's somebody behind him, somebody there in the, for lack of a better, I personally think it's like you know, entrenched neocons in the U.S. government that have been there, uh, the same people that been there under Bush, uh, that been there under Obama. Um, that probably been there under Trump, but Trump with his like chaotic style of government, I think kind of managed to contain them. Um, but maybe not. I don't know. But like they're certainly back with Biden. And I think Biden is just saying what they want him to say. Right. They decided that somehow 
somewhere behind closed doors um i'm talking the dod uh maybe like the, what they in the media always call the quote intelligence community which is a terrible word spies you know fucking uh people who lie for a living uh the kind of guys snowden warned us about um who nonetheless get like spots on cnn <laughs> you know uh, analyst spots on cnn or whatever um so these kind of guys they're basically putting out the message uh to putin or yeah, i'm just gonna say it's like the russian government maybe the chinese government you're kind of hacking us uh we uh are serious about this we're gonna go to war and that's just like as i said i i, I think that's insane um we're talking like destroyed equipment here right we're talking wasted money uh, destroyed resources and you want to go to war as as biden cutesy kind of says it a real shooting war right and just look at the most minimal like wars the u.s has fought like in my so i always remember so this is kind of the first war i real really like okay that was like the that the second Gulf War, you know, in the beginning of the 90s, I really, I was too young. I was I was growing up when that happened, but I, I saw like the news reports and stuff. Didn't really understand it. The first war I really understood because I was old enough was, uh, you know, the war in the Kosovo. Uh, and that's kind of like the most limited, I think, uh, in my lifetime, or what I, what I can think of that the US has ever gone to war, um, where you basically park a few aircraft carriers somewhere and then just, you know, uh, shoot from ships and have planes, you know, take out their air defenses and then control uh, control the skies and like ra- rain bombs down on them. Um, and for you know, there was very limited ground uh, U.S. ground forces involved there. So for the U.S., it was a very hands off war. Um, but talk to somebody from form, former Yugoslavia, like what you know, what what that war looked like for them. And how many civilians died, um, and what what kind of infrastructure was destroyed in the bombardment? And if you just take that as a as like the minimum case of something the US would do to to retaliate against a cyber attack, just imagine that. Just imagine a country. Just don't even think Russia. Let's let's forget about World War Three. Let's forget about nuclear war. Let's 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 take a country that doesn't have nuclear weapons, right? And that country goes and says, "Okay, we're going to hack the US." And then US goes, "Okay, uh, in response, we're going to park a couple of aircraft carriers off your shore and then just start bombing your civilian centers," like. I mean, like, why? So the thing I can't understand. So I can understand the U.S. president saying something like this even. Like, they're politicians. They're going to say something like this. Why is there no commentary in the press about this? What this means? You know, the the Financial Times, CNN, everybody, New York Times, they just go, yeah, cyber war, we're going to retaliate, uh, Brian said it's going to be a real shooting war. Like, why does nobody even contrast what we're talking about when we're talking cyber war and when we're talking shooting war? Like, what the actual differences are? It's a hell of a big difference if somebody goes and puts ransomware in your computer and you can't use your fucking computer, Right? Which only hurts you when you when when you didn't have backups. Okay, that's everybody. But still, right? You could have actually protected against that. And somebody bombing your house to shit, to pieces, to rubble, like rubble rubbleizing your streets. As No Agenda says, rubbleizing your street. 
Like, it just, like, th that, why can't, why? I mean, am I, I, I didn't see a single article somewhere in a big newspaper in a, on an internet site. I didn't see anything on TV where somebody said, listen, this is what we're talking about here. This is what, what he's talking about when he says a shooting war. And they said Donald Trump was bad. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, Trump never did. I mean, he did a lot of shit. He's an asshole, but he never, like, never gave speeches like this. Like, this is, this is incredible. Um, I mean, you kind of ask yourself, don't these guys, haven't they learned from history? And, you know, Biden should have known because Biden has been a politician so long. He was around when Vietnam was going on. Um, and he's been around for the whole Afghanistan war, which is now the longest war uh, in, 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 in U.S. history. It's been a disaster. Um, you know, it's kind of like Vietnam was just like longer. <laughs> Um, okay, a bit, bit more contained as well, and and not not so, um, like, traumatic for the U.S. population. But you know, just ask, just ask those. There are very good uh, documentaries with high-ranking U.S. military officials who were in Afghanistan. Like I've I've seen one. I can't remember. This is like two years ago or something. It's like one guy who was the U.S. military commander in Afghanistan for like four years or whatever, and. When he came back, he delivered a, um, uh, uh, like, kind of a report to Congress, and I think he was pissed off. I think this was still under Obama, and he was he was really pissed off how uh, they basically tried to put it under the carpet. But you know, just just look at this. There's there's enough material out there of these U.S. high-ranking military officials just talking about what a disaster that war was and still is, right? And that's one of the things that always cracked me up about Trump. When Trump was the first U.S. president who said, we're going to stop this. We're going to pull these people out of there. And suddenly the press goes, oh, you can't do that. It's going to descend on chaos. Like, what the fuck? You've been calling for, for almost 20 years to get the people out, to get your soldiers back home. And now the U.S. president does that. And suddenly he's like, or tries to do it. And suddenly he's like the evil guy. I've, I've never understood this. I mean... You'd, you'd think Biden Biden should know. You know he's been around long enough, uh, but I don't think he's, he's, he's. I don't. I don't think he's. He's paying attention. He's not there anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. And, and of course, journalists uh, are not much better. As I said, they don't point out something like this. They don't point out in their articles what the difference between so-called cyber war and why that is even a dumb description. You know, listen to episode sixty. Um, Private citizen press, it's all on there. There's a tag at you know if you go to tanks at the top of the show notes, there's like a cyber war tag, right? You can you can click on that. Um, and then you'll get all the episodes where I talked about cyber war. So if you want want more about this topic. Um, but it's like Yeah, no nobody's talking about that. Now um, the one take I read about this, and I'm going, I'm going, I have a link in the show notes to my uh, my uh, ex colleagues at Heise who kind of had the same point, but it's like I just that's just uh, an article I read, so I linked it. It's also in German. I just like I was preparing the show notes. There's stuff in English about this. I just didn't couldn't find anything uh, off the top of my head. My fault. I didn't, didn't bookmark them when I read them, but you know, basically, lots of lots of journalists had the same take. Um, 
they kind of justify this, what I think is jingoism by Biden, um, as like an attempt to uh, just just try and deter other countries from you know from from perpetuating these kind of like cyber attacks, if you want to call them that. Um, which you know, for some countries, that is undeniable, are now part of like their offensive foreign policy. I don't, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm not denying that this is what Russia is doing. I think that is what they're doing. I also think that's what China is doing. Um, it is a part of the arsenal now, right? It's not war. It's a thing you can do between, like, you know, in your in your foreign policy arsenal, you know, you can spy on people, you can sabotage them, you can go to war, um, you can manipulate other countries. And there's just, you now have, you know, clandestine hacker attacks. You, you can do that. And I, I think they're doing that. Um, I, I don't want to deny that, just, just to point that out. I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to um, belittle these kind of attacks. I think there are they, they, they hurt people, they hurt infrastructure, they hurt countries. I'm just trying to explain, um, you know, what the difference between that and actual war is. And I'm, I'm not cry, trying to deny that this stuff is happening. Um, so, yeah, so Astral uh, in Twitch said, yes, Biden's showing a cyber dick to make the cyber cold war happen. I don't think he's actually doing that. Um, because, I mean... Because he's kind of threatening. He's kind of trying to shut it down, right? He's not happy with, with it going on uh, for whatever reason. Um, uh, I think my, my personal theory, and this is like completely of of, of what I think, uh, is that, that they're just not as good. Um, the Russians are very, very good at this. They're, they're very um, adept at the offensive part of it. I think the U.S., for the last 20 years since September 11 has looked inside a lot. And I think if you go from what Snowden uh, revealed, uh, a lot of the, the intelligence agencies, especially the ones dealing with technology and, and the internet, um, have have put a lot of effort on actually spying on Americans on American soil uh, to prevent like terror attacks. So I don't think they developed their their uh, their offensive arsenal as the Russians did, and now they are kind of like flat-footed, and I think that's why he's trying to sh- shut it down. Um, uh, Jonathan says uh, uh, this all seems very on brand, though. Uh, some live feedback here from Twitch, which is cool. Uh, posturing and threatening for the superpower sets. Yeah, that's that's what I basically meant with this is the neocons, right? This is on brand for what the U.S. has been doing for decades, um, or these forces in government. Um, now, but going back to what journalists are basically saying, what he's doing here. So the idea would be that that Biden is doing this. He's threatening because he's trying to deter other countries from doing this. Now, I think this is dumb. Uh, coming to this conclu- conclusion is dumb, um, and I'm going to explain why. Um, I think this doesn't make any sense, and it completely misses why these attacks are being are happening, which is something I explained in a previous episode. Um so the reason you do, let's call it cyber war, the reason you do that is because it's explicitly not war and it has plausible deniability, right? If you fire a rocket, if you 
send a tank over the border, even what the Russians did in Crimea, right? You can, you know, people like um, Bellingcat, and what you can kind of show that that this is an old Russian tank, whatever where it came from. What you can, you can, you can show that with with um, with hacker attacks, that is a lot harder um, because. As I also explained before, attribution is very hard. Attribution of these attacks is very hard. Sometimes it's almost impossible. And uh, basically what you can do is you can use this as a foreign policy tool to attack other countries without actually the risk of causing war, which is what the Russians are doing. The Russians don't want a war, right? The Russians wanted Crimea, but they didn't want to have an open war with Ukraine. And in the same way, they don't want to have a war with the US. So they're using tools where they can hurt the U.S., chiefly the economy, um, without causing war, right? Now, because the technical attribution of this attack, of these attacks is so hard, and because it, t it takes time, it takes a lot of work and time, and in most cases it takes months to actually attribute these attacks correctly, if you even can, um, and so far, I don't know of a single case, and I'm writing about this professionally, I don't know about a single case where actually a government has waited. So an attack happened and the government has waited until they had actual technical proof, technical attribution. Usually you have attribution, which I call political attribution, on the same day or a day later, right? Um when when the German uh, Bundestag, the German Parliament was hacked on the same day, uh, they said it was the Russians, uh, and this is the same in the U.S. Um, so, in in most cases, this at, this attribution is, is purely political, and it's just done for polit cynical political means, right? You wanna you 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 wanna stick it to your rivals, right? If they attack you or not doesn't have anything to do with this. They, I mean, it could be true, but like at that point, you technically don't know. Um, in some cases, I mean, I've mentioned here uh, the attack uh, on the German parliament uh, in 2015. Um, it turns out we learned years later that actually they knew uh, they had very plausible, um, actually, intelligence sources. So they had like human, human intelligence, uh, people apparently close to Putin, who uh, reported that he ordered this attack. Um, but the thing is, that is not, like, you can't verify that, even if that's, like, even today, uh, and I'm, I, was, I wrote about the story originally, uh, there's a link to a CT uh, article I wrote about this in 2015 in the show notes, Private Citizen Press. Um, even... Like even if that's believable, even today you can't you can't verify that because like it's intelligence sources, right? All of this is classified, and the problem with that is you never know from these intelligence sources. You never know is that actually uh, do they have proof? Do they have facts, or is it just propaganda? Because that's how intelligence services work, right? They lie, but they also have true. They also have facts, but you never know because they never tell you how they arrived at that because that's all classified. So, to us, private citizens listening to this podcast, it is it is not reliable. We cannot rely on that, right? The government might be able to rely on that. They might be told behind closed doors, yeah, this is how we got this information, and then you can say, okay, I believe this. But, like, the public can never know, uh, never knows. And, like, I've 
forever. I've had problems with journalists and I've, I hate journalists who just go, yeah, okay, the government says the Russians did it and doesn't question them. And I've also been uh, gotten a lot of uh, criticism in the past because I always um, make sure that if I write about this kind of stuff or if I talk about this kind of stuff, I'm saying, right, they do not have technical attribution. At this point, it's just political propaganda, for lack of a better term. Um, even if it turns out to be true in the end, right? And that's precisely the point why something like this warning from Biden cannot be a deterrent because um, because of this attribution problem. Um, because if you are just attributing these attacks based on political means, um, this deter deterrent doesn't work, right? Let's say Russia currently is engaged in a in a uh, in a in a cyber war campaign against the U.S. Right? And let's say they see this. Uh, did they listen to this? Sorry, I'm just adjusting my microphone and um, they're just there they listen to the speech by biden and then they go yeah okay the americans seem really pissed and uh we should stop this and it deters them from further attacks right let's say the u.s next month is attacked by china because these attributions are only political there's no reason why biden couldn't attribute the attack from china to russia Right. So Russia doesn't even like that's the downside of kind of like this plausible deniability or that's like the other side of the coin. They don't win anything if they actually stop the attacks because because of the why, the, you know, because the attribution being political, they could still get blamed for it. And because the press and the public at large just believes this kind of shit, um, they would believe that. Right. Because nobody. When the government says, oh, we were attacked with the Russians, because nobody goes, well, like, where's your proof? Put up or shut up. Nobody does that in the mainstream media. People don't even know. They don't understand how attribution of cyber attacks work. They just believe that kind of shit. So this this cannot be, this this theory, uh, if, you, if you have this theory that Biden did this to deter this, then, then, then you basically don't understand how cyber attacks work and how they're attributed. Um, because, and, and, and the history of it. Because it's it's just not it just, just doesn't make any sense as a deterrent, right? If you can't if you have plausible deniability, like why that wouldn't be a deterrent, right? You could just say it wasn't us. Um and, and, and conversely the, the one who's attacked can always say, Well, it was you and they don't need to show any proof, so yeah. Um Russia really or, or, you know, in this case, presumably Russia is just say it's Russia, uh, just just for argument's sake. They have no reason not to attack, especially like if they think, if they basically think their attacks are not you know, not detectable anyway, not attributable anyway. Um, they got nothing to lose, right? They might as well uh, attack them. And that is just, you know, that that's just one aspect of it. Like just all of this reporting on this uh, doesn't take the very complex and very gray area of these cyber attacks into account that we talked about on that previous episode. Um, right? So some stuff I just touched on earlier. Um, when we're attributing this, when you're blaming people for this, like where are the lines? Like, so if, if 
if a company based in a certain country, right, is attacked, is that an attack on the company or the country? Like, right? If if a Russian energy company attacks a competitor in the U.S., um, like, is is that is 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 that an economic issue? Is that between those companies? Is that an attack on U.S. sovereignty? Um, and like, conversely, right? If who's the attacker, right? If 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 just like criminals or script kiddies attack a company, or like even like you know, if if these all of these ransomware attacks, right? Most of them, I mean, there there were. There were other attacks like NotPetya, which were uh, camouflaged as ransomware attacks, were really state-sponsored attacks, probably. But like, if if we're actually talking ransomware attack, like if Russian criminals to make money, like infiltrate the U.S. Uh, healthcare sector, and they're trying to extort money, like is that that's not a state-sponsored attack, right? I mean, m maybe it's. Maybe the U.S., uh, maybe the Russian intelligence services, like the internal ones, maybe the FSB knows about these criminals and could shut them down and doesn't because they're only attacking U.S. companies and it kind of helps Russian foreign policy. But like, you know, turning a blind eye, is that like, is that, is that, is that state-sponsored? I mean, this is... This is all gray areas, and I understand that lots of journalists don't understand this because this is like technology and it's hard and it's nerdy. But like these are political journalists, right? And they're writing like about other things, right? They're 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 those same people write about the the Crimean conflict. They wrote about like for example the 2006 war in Lebanon, which has a lot of the same um, links in the show notes, by the way. Private citizen of press. Um, there are lots of these issues at stake there as well, right? I mean, lots of the conflicts that, for example, Israel is involved in is, is not specifically against states, right? If you look at Hezbollah, right, in Lebanon, is that like, do you consider that a state-sponsored actor? Is that a terrorist group uh, with the Crimean conflict as well? Like, was that Russia, right? Is the, are these uh, local rebels in Ukraine, is it a civil war? Is it international aggression? Um, so these these people reporting on this, these journalists, they 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 must know these issues from like let's say IRL conflicts, right? So I I don't understand why they don't why they don't see that and they don't see that like with with what they're calling cyber war. This is even even more complicated and even worse. To sum it up. Basically, what you have is a situation where a country uh, can just claim they were attacked by another country and they can basically cherry pick, right? It might have been just some script kiddies that had nothing to do with the government, but they can say, oh, well, they were, you know, the FSB was actually helping them or they, you know, they, they, had, they, they had support or whatever. They just make that shit up, right? When you read this kind of stuff in a news article on Reuters, Right on the Associated Press, in the New York Times, in Der Spiegel, on the BBC, in the Guardian. Nobody ever puts any, like, not even like hint, like I'm not even talking proof, not even hints of like what actually happened there. Like, who are these attackers? Um, like, 
okay, they were like sitting in a, uh, the servers were in Beijing, but like, why are we sure it was the Russians, right? Like, what is actually the attribution details? Um, nobody cares about this. It's just the government says they attacked us and now um, we can react. And why I'm talking about this on this episode is that was all bad enough when we're talking, we're going to attack them back and we're going to have the cyber cold war, right? As, uh, as Astral calls it. Um, but with Biden saying this now and putting the world on notice, we actually have the threat of a hot war now. We have the threat of a real war because of all these issues. And that is really worrying me. Right? We had, as long as I can remember, I'm like, what am I now? 36, right? Can't really remember the Cold War. Right? I've, I've of course, learned about it in, in university and stuff in school, but um, the time I can remember, right? The era after the Cold War, we had kind of a truth. Uh, like, uh, we had a, you know, a, 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 um, an, an understanding in the international community um, that countries and especially superpowers like Russia and the US, um, if they do things, right? We have the UN, we have inspectors, we have the press. If something happens, somebody fires a rocket. If, you know, submarines start turning up in, in inside the, the waters of other countries, um, people will will realize and there will be consequences right you can't just um you can push it you know and there's certainly been submarines that 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 submerge somewhere in harbors at night and then you know uh or emerge and submerge again whatever uh you know we we had all these you know planes flying over countries yes countries push these boundaries all the time but like there's an understanding of like what's going on and that the public understands certain things they understand you know with military actions and with conventional warfare they understand what leads to what and who's the aggressor here and uh and they understand that let's say um if the u.s government said you know we have russian planes invading our airspace every day um we have russian submarines uh at night coming up in like in uh, Pearl Harbor or like in Port, no, what Portsmouth, Port, uh, in, in San Diego or whatever, right? If the New York Times writes about this, they go, like, yeah, they, they said this, but where's the proof? Like, we need to see, like, if you're saying, okay, this is a serious situation, this might lead to war, we need to see the proof. And and the, the, the public and the and journalists are much more savvy at understanding, like, you know, what this proof would be and what would be fake, whatever, as there are with cyber, where nobody understands really what's happening. It's all like ones and zeros, and it's all like black magic and voodoo, and, and it's like really weird. Um, and that is, that is what, what, what is dangerous to me, because people don't understand this, and that this leads to the ability of governments just to be, be able to put out propaganda unchecked, right? Where we can just say, oh, it was the Russians. Okay, it was the Russians. We all believe it. And that's that's a reason to go to war. Um, that is 
really worrying me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 this. I I, I saw this. I saw this speech uh, from Biden uh, when I came home from uh, holiday. And I was like, wow, this is this is really 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 bad. Um, and I don't think people understood generally how how bad this is. But I'm I'm one thing I agree with Biden. It's gonna get really interesting in the next ten years. Um, it's gonna gonna. I think we are on at a kind of a, at a crossroads. Where we'll where we will see if like, you know, what happens? Like, do cooler heads prevail? Right? Do do people know actually what they're talking about prevail and go like, okay, this is a hacker attack, but it's it's bad, it's people's information out there, uh, it has consequences, but it's certainly not an attack with weapons and you know tanks and and and, and assault rifles, and people being killed, um, or will we have Will will people not like like you know what what worries me personally is like um, I'm getting old right I'm getting old and I'm looking at like young kids uh, and then they're gro growing up with 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 phones and tablets right they they have tablets when they're like four or whatever uh, they grow up with the internet with Facebook with social media and I think they're less savvy uh, because I'm old and I think everything is getting worse I think they're less less savvy than than we were back in the day. And I don't think they often they just use technology and they don't care how it works, um, which in itself, you know, isn't bad. So certainly, uh, you know, when I grew, I don't know how car engine works, right? And there were people 30 years earlier, a lot, lot more people knew how engine the car engine worked and could repair it, right? And you can say like from an old curmudgeon, you kind of, eh, it's bad, that is, but it's not really like that bad for society as a whole. Um, but I feel that with 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 digital technology, it's a bit different because it runs all our lives. Um, and if people don't understand how it works, it's going to become very dangerous. Not only like in this case, but you know when we're talking about uh, about privacy and stuff. If people just assume that there's cameras everywhere, or another example, um, there seems to be like this kind of understanding with younger people that. Uh, if you do technology, like you put all the data in the cloud, like why wouldn't you, right? It has to be in the cloud. To do anything with it, it has to be on, on in the cloud, which is frankly dumb, right? Which is, I mean, the reason everything's put in the cloud is not a technological reason, it's purely a business reason. Because company uh, companies want to have control of data and they want to have, uh, you know, computing be cheaper and stuff like that. It's not, it's not a, it's not a, uh, you can't do this this calculation you can't run this algorithm on a local computer you have to have the cloud um but people just just assume that they just you know they these days it's just like it's 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 marketing it's propaganda that's pr that's been hammered down everybody's throats where you know of course it's going to be the data is going to be in the cloud right and then people don't think about like so when my parents got like their new stove and it has like wi-fi and if you turn that on, it's all integrated with cloud and with, with the cloud storage, whatever. You can't even turn that off. And you like every, anything you do, like the the maker of the stove knows like what you like. I don't even know what fucking function that thing has. Why it has Wi-Fi? I don't even fucking care. But like, they know everything by default, 
right? Or you install like a, a camera on your door so you can see who's at your door, right? Why does that, that have to go to the cloud? Makes no fucking sense. Like it's a camera and I have a phone. Why isn't the camera sending the picture directly to my phone and to end encrypted? Why does anybody else need to know who's in front of my door, right? Uh, makes no sense. So that I can say, hey, Alexa, who's at the door? Like, fuck that. Uh, is that like the, the, the downside is so much bigger. But I, I feel like I'm like, you're probably listening to this and you're more in my camp because why wouldn't you be listening to this podcast? But I feel like we're getting, we're getting like severely outnumbered out there. Um, and that's worrying me. I don't know what we can do. I, I mean, I certainly, I don't have kids, so I don't really want to have kids, but like, if you have kids, uh, please raise some good nerds, teach them how this stuff works, right? And teach them that technology doesn't have to be always on, always connected, that other people don't always have to know what you're doing you know that there are open source operating system that works um i think that's the only uh the only defense i, uh, I don't know i just hope cooler heads prevail um i mean there have certainly been high points in history where where this has happened uh, there's this favorite fa famous case with that uh, russian military guy where basically the the the, the system um, something happened and the system detected a u.s nuclear launch and right they would have launched nukes it was a mistake uh, nothing happened but they would have launched nukes and started the world war and there was this guy who was uh, in in the chain of command whose job was to push the button right and he was not allowed not to push the button but nonetheless he was like this is a technical error i'm not going to push the button and he basically saved the planet um And that has happened like all over history. So I hope this is. Uh, I hope that's what, what's what what's happening with this cyber stuff. But it's 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 very worrying. Um, and it's it's not so much worrying to me that a U.S. president goes like, you know, completely high jingo and goes like, you know, war war war. As Jonathan points out, it's very on brand. Um, but in the past, certainly the media was more critical of this. Um, if not the U.S. media, then media outside of the U.S. was. Um, and it seems to be lost in this uh, in this red versus blue, um, conservative versus progressive. You know the the thing we always talk about on the show as well uh, in this in this culture war, whatever. In this, uh, nobody's listened to anybody. You you already get. You know, you haven't even said three words. You already get put in like a box, right? You're, you're, uh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're, uh, you know, you're, I don't know. In, in German, in, in German right now, it's like querdenker, right? You're weird because you're against vaccination, whatever. You think immunity passports are shit, so you're You're one of these guys. You get put in these boxes, and that destroys everything. This destroys discourse, right? And and that destroys in this case. Um, for example, in in the media, a uh, a good analysis of this because just imagine Trump had said this. Just imagine Trump would have given the speech. They're hacking us, and we're going to retaliate with what? The New York Times would have been all over that. There would have been articles why it's a bad idea to retaliate on like a hacker attack with actual war, because Trump is insane and he wants to start wars and he's a warmonger. 
but Joe Biden says something like this, there's no pushback from the media at all on this. And that that is just like it can't go. But something something has to give. Anyway, I'm just turning around. And around. Let, let's 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 hope uh, let's hope cooler heads prevail. Uh, I'll definitely keep an eye on this. Uh, cyber was a topic we're going to be talking about a lot um, in the future. I feel at some point one's probably going to break out the mythical cyber war, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, but before we do that, uh, I got some uh, interesting feedback from uh, producers, listeners to the show, uh, viewers on Twitch maybe, uh, who um, had something to say about things I said in the past. And some of this is again about YouTube, which is very interesting. So let's let's get into that. So you might remember that episode um, where I talked about the vaccination passports and the technology and everything when they launched it in Germany and that got pulled off YouTube. And ever since then, I'm like in this um, links in the show notes, by the way, private citizen of press. And that was uh, episode 75. Um, where we talked about this, wh why I think this is a problem, not only because why that I am, you know, that that I was couldn't, uh, affected. I mean, that wasn't really the point. Uh, not re really that many people watch the show on YouTube. I just, you know, upload the the the, the recording from Twitch there. But um, luckily, most people listen to this as a podcast, which is much more censorship resistant. Um, but like, it's a it's an important topic because um, I think it's a freedom of the press issue in Germany, right? My point was. Uh, I'm a journalist, right? This is journalistic work. I don't work for a big publishing company, but what I'm doing here is journalism. Um, and YouTube, generally, people say, yeah, well, it's a private company. They can do what they want. No, they can't because we have a constitution in Germany and there are uh, protections in there that apply to everybody, right? That apply that what YouTube was doing in my case I thought was uh, was discrimination and censorship, and uh, I understand the German, uh, for lack of a better term, constitution, the Grundgesetz, as in uh, that is not allowed if you're producing journalistic works. Now it turns out I wasn't the only one thinking this way. Um, so Gal Terran, uh, who supports the show a lot, uh, sent me uh, on our Discord, sent me a link to a, a story. It's a German story, but I'm going to paraphrase this. So there's a German. Uh, YouTuber called Gunnar Kaiser. He runs a thing called Kaiser TV. He's a, a teacher from uh, from Cologne, uh, who's also now a novelist. Uh, and uh, he, from the beginning, you say he ran that YouTube channel. And he's like, he he. This YouTube th channel originally was a lot about like ph philosophic thinking, right? Um, you know about how we lead our lives and stuff like that. And from the beginning, he's been a pretty outspoken critic of the uh, you know those anti SARS-CoV-2 measures that we have everywhere that I talked about on the show. Um, he is a lot less ranty than me. He's a very, uh, very soft-spoken and, and intelligent person, I feel. Um, and um, But of course, uh, because he was critical, he was already uh, pretty immediately uh, under fire, uh, called a conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, querdenker, all this kind of stuff. Um, certainly, he he has talked at some of these rallies in the past. You know the 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 bad querdenker rallies where all the bad people are. We've also talked about this. 
uh, on the show before. Uh, but um, <clears throat> and because of that, uh, he's, he's then also been a critic of can cancel culture because he was, uh, uh, you know, to some degree targeted by the, these kind of things. Um, now, so that's just the background on his channel. Um, now, YouTube has kicked him off the partner program, which means he, doesn't, he can't make any money anymore. And they didn't really tell him why. They only said uh, that in the past he violated the terms of the partner program, but didn't tell him why. Um, kind of like, you know, YouTube cut my video off, um, just just unpublished it from the platform saying I, I uh, uh, was uh, um, espousing uh, information that was uh, in contradiction to like guidance by the WHO and my local health authority, to which I replied, no, I wasn't. Uh, please show me where. And YouTube has this uh, habit of just going, oh, pfft. You 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 um, violated some terms. Uh, you're gone now. Be gone. And they don't even tell you like where, like where specifically in my video. What did I do, right? And and that is that is like bad. Um, like even if you're in the, of the opinion that you know this is a public company, they could do on their platform whatever they want. Yeah, sure. So uh, if you're in a restaurant and you behave badly, the re the guy who runs the restaurant can say you're out of here. You're never allowed to come in my restaurant again, right? which is accepted in society. But if restaurant owners would do that without actually telling you a reason, right? They would just go, you, I don't like your nose. I don't like your glasses. I don't like your haircut. You're not allowed in here anymore. If they would do that, or if they would just wouldn't, if just, you're not allowed in here, go out, go out. And you go, why? No, I'm not telling you, you, you violated some terms, go out. Like that would be an outcry. That would be seen probably as uh as discrimination, right? Especially if the person was part of some minority, let's say they're black or whatever, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> they were like, let's say they're Asian, you know, and, and somebody would just go, you're not, you're not allowed in my restaurant, go out, right? People generally would cite on the, on the discrimination angle. They wouldn't go, well, it's his right. You can do that. It's his restaurant. And I, I kind of feel like the same with what YouTube's doing here. Anyway, so Kaiser makes a lot of money in YouTube. So he was like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to take this lying down. So he got a lawyer. <laughs> he lawyered up. And then he uh, got the lawyer um, to actually uh, get an injunction at like the federal state court in Cologne, the Landgericht. Um, and he actually got an injunction against YouTube which is a uh, precedent, I, as far as I can tell, something like this, and I'm not a lawyer, obviously, you know, not an expert on legal matters, but as far as I understand, nothing like this has ever happened before. So basically, the court in Cologne said, YouTube, you can't cut somebody off. You can't just demonetize them and say they violated some terms without telling the person what terms they violated. And you, when you do that, you've got seven days. And you have to do this within seven days now. And an injunction, of course, means that meanwhile they have to, I think, have to restore the video. Um, so uh, they now have, I think this this was over the week ago, so I, I haven't found any new coverage on this. Um, so if you find anything more on this, please let me know. Private Citizens are Press, there's contact uh, information on there. Um, I'm interested in all these topics around YouTube, and uh, yeah, let me know. Um, but like, he got that injunction, and if Google doesn't comply, um, they have to actually pay fees, I think. They're liable to pay fees. And what I found very interesting is that the, uh, so Kaiser's lawyer, a guy called Joachim Steinhöfel, who apparently has defended quite a lot of people who had this happen in the past, um, 
says this is an important uh, precedence for creators. Um, and it, he says that basically uh, this is, he thinks this is uh, uh, um, the word is not coming to me. Let me drink some coffee. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, discrimination. Discrimination is the word I'm looking for. Um, so this lawyer says this is basically discrimination. He's, he's kind of the same opinion of me. He says um, YouTube has a neutrality, uh, um, like has to um, have a certain level of neutrality when, when it comes to uh, journalistic works. Um, you know, because because of the constitution and the press freedom that is uh, guaranteed there, and he basically says, you know, to be a journalist, you can just be like a vlogger, you can be a blogger, you can be a guy like me, a freelance guy who's working from home, who who, who isn't part of a big established uh, publishing company. That the German constitution and German law doesn't. I mean, I mean there've been there've been actually uh, been quite a lot of uh, cases in the past uh, where it was explicitly stated by courts that you know if you're a blogger you can be a journalist, right? There there are some some um, some rule nah, not really rules but like some baselines you have to follow, right? I've I've talked about the press codex in the past and you basically have to act like a journalist. You can't just like espouse opinion or whatever. Like um, you have to. Um, if you if you if you're just a guy in your underpants at home, and you're basically doing what a professional journalist does in the Spiegel newsroom, then you're a journalist, right? If you do the same kind of work, um, and you you can write opinion articles, right? Because they do that at the Spiegel. It's just like it has to have a certain form and stuff like that. Um, then you're a journalist. That's that's what German courts think, and that that means that, that you're doing journalistic work. That means press protection under the constitu constitution applies to you, which I think is great, and I think it's great that Kaiser got this injunction. Um, <laughs> Jonathan says that court injunction sounds crazy. That would mean that Google needs to work for their money. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe they need to actually uh, think about now and think about things now, right? And they just can't do like, oh, we're we're king of the hill. We run this place. We can do whatever you want. Um, I think this is pretty great. Anyway, I'm gonna keep an eye on this story. I had another feedback and an email from Martin, um, who I uh, read out um, some feedback from him in episode 79, and I replied to it. And now he's replying to me. So Martin says, I agree with you to a point about journalistic standards uh, and his guilt of contempt in court. We were talking about this uh, Scottish guy who got, I think, arrested for blogging. And, you know, I said he was, like, he was held in contempt of court and stuff like that. <clears throat> he named some people he shouldn't have named. Uh, but the situation is a lot more complicated than the average sexual assault case. Sorry, my voice is going. I hate pollen, allergies. Um, this is because the accusers were also members of the government who had been actively involved in the legislative process regarding sexual misconduct. The process as the Scottish government implemented was itself the subject of a previous lawsuit and found to be illegal. Um, in effect, these people had twin roles in the case but could not be named in either context, meaning the reasons Alex Salmond was cleared while charges cannot be fully revealed. Now, I have to say, I know nothing about this. Um, I'm not very... Um, up in uh, Scottish politics. Uh, so it sounds like from 
I've had some emails, exchanged some emails with Martin in the past. Um, he seems to be very pro-Scottish um, uh, independence. So take that with a grain of salt. I have no reason to not believe him when he says these things. But I think, like everybody, he's biased to a certain degree. Just keep that in mind. That's not, you know, that's not a knock on him. We all biased. Um, I just wanted to let people know that I have his viewpoint and I don't have the opposing viewpoint. Um, because I don't have feedback from somebody who's, who's pro-United Kingdom or whatever and pro-Scotland remaining in the Union. So, so I, I, I don't know. Just just take take that under advisement. Um, uh, one of these people is on record as stating in a WhatsApp group message, quote, I have a plan by which we can remain anonymous. This, and this is where you can see that uh, that Martin definitely has an axe to grind here. He says, uh, this was a conspiracy to completely destroy the reputation of Alex Salmond and prevent his return to politics. I don't even know where Alex Salmond is, so I have no idea. I have no dog in this race. Uh, and it has been successful. I know the identity of the person that made that statement on WhatsApp and have a photograph of them at a meeting I attended, but two people have already been given prison sentences for naming them, so I won't do so now. I did not learn the identity from what Craig Murray wrote, by the way. So Craig Murray is the guy who, uh, who is like... Uh, He's going to prison now because he wrote about this. I uh, yeah, I think. Oh, he was definitely uh, held in contempt of court. Um, there's also a shocking double standard to the sentence handed down to Craig Murray. He was by no means the only journalist to reveal information that could lead to the identity of the accusers. Several others revealed far more, most notably one Danny Garavelli and a court reporter James Dolman, who actually outright named someone. These people were not even investigated, far less charged. It's my belief the reason for that is that they were on the, quote, right side and Craig Murray isn't. Now, I, whatever, you know, whatever side of this argument you're on uh, um, I don't know but I, I feel like the last paragraph kind of rings true if, if, if what Martin says there is true uh, then uh, that is of course uh, I completely review that is a double standard um, that is horrible like you know if I was basically arguing from a journalist's perspective uh, and the things you do and don't do right you don't name in my view, I'm a you know I'm, I come from Germany. Uh, we have different views of this certainly than the US and the UK. But you know we don't name uh, suspects. Um, we j we often don't even name convicted felons because um, the idea is that they are able should be able to reintegrate into society, and you're kind of harming that. Um, so you know there's some ground rules, and I was just advocating for these ground rules. I think they're there for a reason, um, and there's a reason why journalism isn't like WikiLeaks, where you just just put information out there you kind of think about what you're doing before you do that um but um it's certainly an argument back and forth but i was just arguing for that but like i completely agree with you martin that has to be enforced on all journalists so if somebody sells on contempt of court because he violated that then anybody else who did that should be too um and i you know i i know nothing about this case i don't i know very little about the media in scotland but when you say that uh, this is you believe that this is because this one guy was on the right side of the argument and the, the the other guys weren't, then I completely believe you. Because I've seen this in places where I know about the media and I know where things are happening. I've seen the same thing. Um, that is certainly something that happens. Um, yeah. So I kind of do agree with that, even though I don't know that much about the topic. But, you know, um, maybe something we'll, we'll talk about uh, on the show in the future. Uh, we'll see. Anyway, I welcome all your feedback. 
I think this is very helpful. Go to privatecitizen.press. There's a contact link. There's many ways to contact me, including anonymous ways. Um, and if you have ideas, I could talk about. Um, if if you have a if I talk about something and you have a local angle, right? You're in Scotland. You're like, right? Cyber war. This is what what's happening here. Or you're in the Netherlands. Or you're in China. Uh, or you're in Russia and you're like they they keep blaming us and it's really not true here. This is the Russian perspective. Please let me know. Um, either uh, quotable, so I can you know quote you, uh, or uh, anonymous if you want. Uh, I, I keep your name out of it if you want. Um, you know I'm a I'm I'm one of the journalists. I adhere to these uh, uh, standards and I won't name you if you don't don't want to be named. Uh, source protection is pretty much the highest ideal I have. Um, and um, yeah uh, also if you know somebody uh, who's willing to come on the show you know I've done uh, interviews in the past I've did like kind of discussion episodes uh, please uh, let me know or if you have a topic you want covered uh, private citizen or press uh, go to the contact form let me know and with that it's uh, it's it's starting to be time to wrap up the show just about time because I'm slowly running out of coffee which is not a good thing because uh, I have to drink copious amounts of coffee because these bloody allergies are just like putting a damper on my whole day it's, it's horrible it's just like I'm really lethargic bloody grass burn it all down destroy it all Nuke it from orbit. Fucking nature. Uh, anyway, I have to thank everybody who's um, keeping the show on the air. As I mentioned before, I'm just a guy in my underpants doing this. I might be doing the same work as the Spiegel, but I'm doing it from home. And I'm largely not getting paid. <laughs> so uh, I would like to thank everybody who's helped out. And uh, just very quickly, you can you can do this. This show is uh, produced under the value for value model, which means um, you get it for free and then you can decide the value. And there's several ways of getting it, getting the value back for me. Uh, to me, you can go to Patreon, become a subscriber. Uh, you can you can send me one-off uh, donations via PayPal. Uh, producers at fab.industries is the email address. All of this in the show notes, private citizen the press. Um, and you can also, you know, subscribe to my Twitch channel, which also helps out. So I would like to thank all the people who did this. Um, so for this episode, I'm thankful to Georges, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mullen Jensen, Dave, 1i11g, Michael Small, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, Vlad, Jaroslav Lichtblau, IKN, Kai Sears, Bennett Piata, Fadi Mansour, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, Tobias Mode 7, David Potter, Sandman 616, Mika, Martin, Rodane the Insane, Rizal, Avis, Mr. Ramish, Dave Amrish, Drive Zero, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan Edwards, Cam, Philip, Captain Naked, RJ Tracy, D, Rick Bragg, Robert Forster, Super User, and no reply. And I'm also thankful to all my Twitch subscribers who are Mike the Dane, Flash Gordo, Indie Gamiacs, Sandman 616, Mode 7 is unavailable, Epochsky, El Terrestris Gym, Redeemer RF, no, Redeemer F, Galtaran, Bacon the Pork, and Jonathan MH underscore com. 
good friend Jonathan. Um, I would also like to thank ByteMark. They provide me uh, pro bono with the service I use uh, for the audio file. So the bandwidth, which I, uh, if I had to pay that, the show would be off the air really quickly. Um, so thanks to those. Uh, thanks to Bindmark. Uh, Bindmark.co.uk is a uh, hosting company from the UK. So uh, thanks to Bindmark. Thanks to everybody who helped out putting the show on the air. Um, and with that, I think I'm pretty much out of here uh, because I still have some work to do today. Also, I'm very... Uh, I mean, this show just made me aggressive. I don't know. Just Joe Biden fucking just makes me aggressive. I'm going to... I think I'm going to... Uh, once I'm done with this, I'm going to gonna put some take my shirt off put i can't do this on camera of course because that would be twitch toss violation um but uh, i'll take my shirt off put some mma gloves on and start kicking my uh kickboxing uh sandbag in the corner of the room for about an hour and after that i usually feel better <laughs> um yeah and i'll see you next week uh, i think i hope well the plan is the plan is i'll be back on wednesday um as i said before uh if that oh Oh, I just played the music very. Uh, that was that was too early. Come on. Uh, anyway, I'll, uh, I'll I'll be back. I'll, I hope on Wednesday. Uh, if I'm not, then the 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 horribly bad uh, side effects uh, hit me, and uh, yeah, I'll take a few days to recover, and I'll be back. Uh, until then, um, you know, aim to misbehave, and uh, I'm I'm gonna play us out with a song you just heard the very beginning of there. Um, it's a nice little jazz tune called Cliff by Hara Noda. So uh, see you soon, I hope, by Tech willing. Mm-hmm.